Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host Jonathan and this is DCI number 130. In this episode, Brian and I are talking to Chris McQuinn of Drinkbox Studios about their latest game, Severed. Severed is a first-person dungeon crawler that mixes in touch-based controls akin to something like Fruit Ninja or Infinity Blade into the mix. Now, it's a big departure from Drinkbox's previous games like Guacamelee, but it carries over the incredibly colorful and beautiful art style of their previous games like Guacamelee. To find out more information about the game, as well as trailers, head on over to darkstation.com where you can find all that kind of good stuff in the show notes to this episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Chris, thank you so much for, for joining us on the Darkcast. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, it, it's uh, we just released Severed, so things are kind of calming down a bit. I feel That's pretty good. good about it. That's good. A lot of the times when we're talking to people, it's like right before launch, so it's like, so how are things? It's like, oh, you know, they're they're crazy. We're we're all running around like chickens with our heads cut off. I but... slept in four days and everything tastes like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's like I have ramen noodles coming out of my ears. Ah. <laughs> so it's, uh, that's good to be kind of on the the other side of that of that hill. Things slow down a little bit. Things aren't quite so crazy. Uh, it's, it's good to hear. Yeah, well, I say that, and then sometimes it still is pretty busy, I have to admit. Uh, I think in my head, I like to think it will calm down after release a game, but there just mm. always seems to be something, right? So, yeah, maybe I'm lying to myself. Just <laughs> <laughs> trying try to make yourself like, feel better. When you guys release really good games, uh, you know, there's always something else to move on to and, 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 and get critical praise heaped upon that, so... Oh, stop it, you. <laughs> yeah, I have, not, uh, I have yet to play to actually play Severed, but uh, I come from uh, two solid reviews of Guacamelee, so... Yeah. Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, have you, have you had a chance to play the Mutant Blobs Attack before that for the Vita? That's probably one of my more favorite games for of games we've done. You should try that one out. It's pretty good. I have not played it. I was actually, uh, I was, I was kind of doing some research for this interview and, and looking up your previous games because I knew about Guacamelee, but I didn't realize you guys had made uh, Mutant Blobs Attack. And when I saw that, I thought that it was actually a completely different game. I actually own that game in Steam, but there's there's a whole bunch of games that I own in Steam and you know don't even realize it because Humble yeah. Bundles and, and Steam sales and all that kind of crazy stuff. Um, but I was thinking that it was it was actually a uh, like tower defense game, and so I'm like watching this trailer, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not at all what I thought this game was. That looks no. like something I might enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> solid little 2D platformer. I mean, that was a while ago when 2D platformers were not overdone. I feel, but it's uh, it's tight and it's pretty funny, and the levels are pretty good. It's a fun game. I would say it's. Uh, especially if you can play it on the Vita, I, it's okay on Steam. Um, if you're playing with a control or a gamepad, then you're fine. I would just say I, don't yeah, play it with I, a keyboard. I I generally only play things with a controller. You can actually go back and listen to the uh, normal episodes of the Darkcast, and you can listen to a three month uh, chronicle of me trying to get Far Cry Four refunded because I couldn't play it on my PC with a controller. Oh so, really? Yeah, fun times there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it blows my mind still that. Well, I mean, I guess I guess a lot of people still like playing games with uh, with uh, a keyboard, but I mean, really, get a gamepad before you're right. A PC. Exactly. Exactly. You are now my favorite interviewee, Chris. Congratulations. Yeah. A million um, PC nerds are crying out. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> right now. It's true. It's so much hate mail is going to be coming in probably. That's okay. We can handle it. Um, so let, let's actually talk a little bit about who you are and kind of what you do at Drinkbox Studios. Obviously, you like to play games with controllers, but but what else do you do? <laughs> uh, good question. I surf a lot of Facebook. No. Uh, <laughs> so at the studio, I do a few things. So it's a small studio. Everybody there has various tasks that they do. Um, and so for me, I would say I wear the hat of I do design stuff, I do sort of promotion stuff, a bit of biz dev stuff, um, kind of sometimes just making sure all the pieces are moving as we get closer to release uh, and after release. Um, so I'm not even sure what you would call that, but yeah, so I would say that generally spans most of the tasks I do. Yeah. Okay, so you were you're in charge of keeping balls rolling and plates spinning. Sounds well, like, I'm I'm of. one of the people who does it. I wouldn't say one I'm in charge okay. of it, but yeah. Okay. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Now, um, do you do you actually get to work on the game? Like, do, are you creative oh, lead sure. on that side too, or is it is it more just kind of the administrative stuff? Or what what all are you? You doing? No, so yeah, I've do, I've been doing design okay. since the beginning. Since the beginning of Drinkbox, so I'm eating Blood's Attack on Guac uh, and on Sever Two. So that's um, you know participating in the design, creating content. Um, so yeah, I don't want to diminish that role. It's uh, so that's I would say that's probably the primary role, along with just getting the game out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, everyone at the studio. A lot. The thing at Drinkbox is it's pretty horizontal for lack of better terms so a lot of people will participate on design and a lot of people on art and we often bleed over uh, so so it's kind of cool in that regards right people have a lot of different roles and I think it generally results in a more of a fleshed out game so to speak okay yeah sure now it's it's been a little while now actually since um, mutant blobs was originally released. Uh, how long have you been in the the games industry? Uh, that was a while ago, I guess. Uh, I would say I'm coming up on nine years. Okay. Uh, and the studio's been around for oh, maybe I've been eight years. The studio's been around for nine years, or it's nine and ten. Anyways, doesn't matter. But around that ballpark. Uh, yeah, studio has been around. Coming up on ten years now. Uh, man, that's a long time. Holy jeez. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you forget about it. <laughs> 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 this podcast is making me have my life flash before my eyes. <laughs> what have I done with it? Hey, wait, we just started. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, sa- save that for the end of the show, man. That, that's got to happen later on. Um... For me bursting in tears. And... <laughs> but so, so nine years, did you, did you start with, um, with Drinkbox, or did you make video games before that? Uh, how did you kind of get into the, the scene? Yeah, so I did, so way back in the day in high school, for two years I was working with a small kind of kids game company, a kids video game company. We were doing, uh, we did a lot of projects for Toys R Us, if that company is still around, which I guess it is. Uh, And then I took a break for a long time, did other stuff, and then I joined Drinkbox, 
back in the day. I was doing originally I was helping them do QA for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, if I recall. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was for PS3 and 360, if I recall. Um, and then we were also starting Mutant Blobs at that point. Uh, sorry, no, about a blob, our very, very first game. Uh, that was our probably worst game. <laughs> and yeah, so I started, and then I started doing a bit of design there, and it was working out really well. And then I sh shifted over uh, with the focus mainly on design, and I've been doing that ever since. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. How many? You said that it's a pretty small team, but how many people do you have uh, at Dreambox? What are we? Let's see. We're probably at. I'll be off by one per one or two people. I'm guessing we're around eleven people right now. Okay. And so yeah, maybe ten, maybe eleven. Um, and we have some people who will help us at different times who work off-site, um, contract help when we're in different parts of the game. But I would say right now the core of us is ten people or eleven. Okay. How, so, how does that kind of divide out in terms of programmers, artists, yeah. uh, all that kind of stuff? Is it is you were mentioning that there's a lot of um, kind of the the hierarchy is pretty flat, and that's uh, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things. But do you have people kind of going across disciplines like that? That programmers that are drawing and artists that are programming and and whatnot, or is it more I, segregated? It, how, how does a, that work? Yeah, it's a bit segregated. I mean, so we have our three founders. Uh, Graham, Chris, and Ryan, and they... Uh, Graham does a lot of the producing stuff, and Chris does a lot of the technical stuff. Um, so I would say we're probably evenly split in traditional teams. So there would be three of us on the design side, and then two artists, uh, and then maybe three programmers, four programmers, and then a couple of people who sort of fill in the gaps. Um, so, yeah, so I say we kind of traditionally split up like that. But again, I would say the programmers will help on design and doing some of the narrative and writing out the lines to the game. And the art folks will have a lot of influence on design. I mean, they're not doing programming, but... Uh, and the designers can code for sure, and they help out there, um, especially on the scripting side. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we kind of keep traditional groups, so programmers, artists designers but it's more just to keep the sanity sanity in the office i think hmm. okay yeah. makes sense yeah i mean yeah, it's definitely not a bad thing no it, it helps uh, and I, I realize we're actually i say we're small and i realized other indie studios were probably pretty big um but i think it's only been recent in the last three or four years i think when we started we were tiny right because there's only triple a companies and then indies we're not we're far and few between and now there's a ton of indies so I guess we're on the big side of that sure I, I guess it kind of depends on what kind of indies because there's like indies that are just like big studios that happen to be independent totally and then totally. there's then there's like the indie studio that I think people generally mean when they say indie but it, like that's just one of those elusive terms that's become more and more meaningless over the last few years. A hundred percent, I agree, and I catch myself saying it, and I kind of just do it because it helps people in their head sort of start with an idea of who we are. But I agree. Sure. I mean, you can have a hundred-person studio that's indie, right? As long as they're creating the games they want and not, you know, not following orders from anyone else, then I think to me that's that's pretty much indie. Right, it's it's like alternative rock. It's this crazy nebulous 
term that doesn't actually mean anything, but it gives you a good starting point. Yeah, exactly, for sure. <laughs> Indie, the new alternative rock. Yeah, I'm going to um, use that. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that um, uh, when you were in high school, you were kind of doing some game development on the the side and doing kind of your own thing, right? Did you go to college for game design, or how did you actually learn how to make games? Uh, no, so uh, in high school, I was doing a lot of 3D art, so I taught oh, myself okay. a lot of th- yeah. 3D Max, 3DS Max. Uh, but as far as designing stuff goes, I think uh, I think it was just playing on a lot of games, and it's practice. A lot of it's practice, right? So doing a lot of uh, Warcraft mods back in the day and a lot of making Doom levels, the old uh, making old WAD levels with the Doom editor. Um, and yeah, and I think it's practice and I think part of it's just uh, I don't know, you know, just being a good worker. I'm not sure what the exact term for that is, but just trying things and getting used to feedback and learning to trash stuff and just putting in a lot of time, right? A lot of hard effort. Uh, and eventually it's, it's kind of a trade, so to speak. You sort of, you sort of just build on, on the practice that you've done. So I didn't officially go to school for it. Um, so I think kind of in that regards, which I don't think is too atypical from a lot of people who get into the design at least, mm-hmm. uh, where they, where they start in QA and they sort of work their way up and sort of, they demonstrate that they have some propensity, uh, if that's the right word, to doing design. It sounds like the right word. We'll, we'll go with it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool, though. That's uh, that's really awesome. I always, always love it when there's a... I don't know, I guess the, the atypical kind of story that you usually hear is, you know, you go to school and then you intern somewhere and you you either start working there or you start working somewhere that you've made contacts through that internship or something like that or you meet somebody at a game jam um but i I don't know i guess there's not really just even describing that there's not really an atypical uh getting into the video game industry so it's always cool when i hear somebody's story because like oh that's that's awesome normal people can do this that's that's great (laughs) yeah definitely I i think normal people can do it um yeah, you know, you hear all these weird different stories and people with weird backgrounds getting into it from different angles, so I would say it's possible if coming from any any direction, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe on the programming side, you should probably go to school for that. That makes it easier. But even then, I don't know if that's mandatory. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. All right, well, let's jump into the, the reason that we're here, and that is Drinkbox's new game, Severed. Yes, Elevator Correct. pitch. What is severed? Ele- okay, extended elevator pitch. Ele- yes, um, well, like Mass Effect. Mass Effect elevator pitch here. Mass Effect elevator pitch. Yes. Um, yeah, so severed is a first-person uh, dungeon crawler where the combat's all gesture-based on a touchscreen, um, and it has very light RPG uh, sprinklings throughout it. So you play as a young, uh, a young warrior named Sasha, and you sort of wake up in this world, and the world's really trippy, right? You don't know if it's a dream or if it's just an actual world that you live in, and your family's gone, and you're trying to figure out where they are, and while you search for them, you're going to be moving around in this weird world, talking to certain uh, 
interesting characters and you'll be having a lot of uh, monster encounters. When you battle these monsters, they'll have attacks and you can kind of imagine that they'll have different patterns to their attacks and you have to figure out what their patterns are and you will have to counter their attacks by using uh, gestures on the screen so you have to parry them so to speak and then they'll have vulnerables, vulnerable areas that will be exposed when you do certain blocks uh, and so you can kind of imagine it's sort of a Mike Tyson's punch out where you're trying to figure out what the attacks are and sort of wait for your time to go in after a counter. So that's nice. the extended pitch. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Very cool. Now, this is just being first person, but I imagine a lot of other ways. Uh, this seems like a pretty big departure from the, the previous few games that you guys have made that have been all, you know, very 2D kind of action platformy style yeah. endeavors. Uh, I, I guess, you know, what was the inspiration um, in, in going into something that was kind of this different? Yeah, yeah, so I guess I think, that's my question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a totally fair question. It is really different from our previous two titles. And so I, I would answer that in a couple of ways. First, I would say immediately the inspiration for the game, or at least the subject for the game, came from one of our, uh, our first internal game jam at Drinkbox, where uh, Gusto, one of our artists, um, proposed the idea, and I think people liked it. I would say, though, at a, at a more macroscopic level, though, when you finish, at least for our studio, and I think it's maybe common for people that when you finish a game, you're pretty burnt out by the end of it on that type of game. Um, so Guacamole, we love it, but by the end of it, you're really looking to to change gears so you can be creative in a different way. Because I think you sort of burn out, you sort of use up all your good ideas in the game you're on. So I think for us, it's nice to try a new challenge and if it's a fresh idea and it's different from the previous idea that you did it's going to be a lot easier to come up with ideas right mm-hmm. um, and, and maybe you can go back to the style of game you had done before but at least doing something different kind of just gives you a breath of fresh air so to speak sure and yeah. by the time you guys were done with Guacamelee what, that, you guys released that thing like three times didn't you? There was like the original oh, version, yeah. there was like a deluxe version, and then the super turbo super hyper turbo edition. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I mean, we re- I think we made 48 versions. There was a version for your microwave. Uh, I played that version. It was hot. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, nice. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had done a lot. I mean, yeah. Super Turbo Championship Edition was a bunch of new levels and content, and I think, yeah, definitely by the end of Super Turbo Championship Edition, we were, we were ready to try something else. Sure, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that was severed, uh, which is definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> So the a lot of your your games have come out for the the Vita originally, um, or a PlayStation platform originally, and then are, are ported later on. Uh, this one seems to really take advantage of the fact that it's on the the Vita between the the control scheme and kind of the um, the way that you're you're playing the game with swiping. What was what was kind of the the reasoning behind that? What yeah, like the, I don't know the. I'm curious about making the Vita your your primary platform because I don't, I don't think it's any secret that 
Those aren't selling the the best. Yeah, no secret for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, for a few reasons. So, the idea that was pitched was touch-based combat. So, so, so deep, deep gesture-based touch-screen combat, in addition to navigating around this world, which is best done, navigation usually is best done with a tactile controller, right? And so, if you ask yourself, okay, what's an amazing touch-screen with tactile controller, the Vita sort of is one of the first, I would say is probably some of the, is the hardware that jumps to mind first. Um, so I think that was one part of it. Um, also, when we started making Severed, that was a few years ago. Uh, and so the landscape for the Vita might have been a bit different, hmm. um, if that makes sense. Uh, so, at, at that yeah. point, it wasn't quite a legacy <laughs> machine yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It wasn't such a legacy machine. Um, but you know, with that said, the the Vita van, fan base now is still really hardcore, and um, they're really supportive. So, yeah, there might not be as many of them as other hardware, so to speak. But they're really into supporting us and supporting uh, smaller devs such as us. So hmm. that's a few reasons. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, besides the kind of the, the game jam that I guess led to the game, um, what was the the inspiration behind the kind of, um, for lack of a better term, like in, Infinity Blade style combat? Yeah, I think uh, honestly, I mean, uh, to, to be honest, I, so in the game jam, I wasn't part of that team, okay. so I can't tell you the specific uh, kernel of idea. But I can say for Gusto, at least, when it comes to the tone of the game and the subject matter of the game, that for him, he really drew on... So he's originally from Mexico, and for him, he drew on his feelings for how he misses his family, because his family all lives back there, and he is now living in Canada. And so I think, in sort of a deep way, it's sort of this deep, sort of dark way, he, he, he really drew on how he misses his family what's it like when they're not here and what that means for the future and his current relationship with them. Uh, it's sort of this heady stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that manifested itself into the story of Severed, which I don't want to you know, reveal too much in case people play it because there, there would be some spoilers. Sure, uh, absolutely. But at least that aspect came from his own personal experiences. Okay. Yeah. I guess uh, there, yeah, there's, there's kind of, a, I guess, a, a personal touch to the fact that I don't know you're putting your hands on the screen um, even though I guess that's largely with combat but still just that kind of direct interaction with the world and the the idea of the, the loss of family I, I don't know maybe I'm well when you play drawing the game, things together that aren't there but no I like it I mean that's that's I've actually never thought about it that way but now the way you frame it actually makes a lot of sense and it's really good um <laughs> Yeah, wow, I've never actually thought about that from that Yay. angle. <laughs> no, that's, that's, uh, but, yeah, I mean, so if you play the game, you'll immediately see some of the aspects that I'm, ta- that I'm talking about and how that fits into it. Um, yeah, but, man, actually having that, that uh, tactile feeling of touching the screen and touching the world and have that connection to your family, it's interesting. I should, I'll, I'll talk to him tomorrow about it and see what he thinks. Okay. Cool. I'll give you cool. full credit. <laughs> All right. Awesome. That's right. 
couch sessions at a juice box. Yeah, the drink box. Yeah. Yeah. Slay down. Just like, we'll talk about why you want to touch your family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll Skype you in. It'll get real weird. Maybe we won't exactly, phrase yeah. it quite that way. But, but you know, um, I'm just yeah. saying. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe we'll frame the wording differently than from touching your family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's totally understandable. Totally understandable. Yeah, uh, where there is something very like uniquely drink box when you look at stuff like Wakamele and when you look at Severed and like the the real bright colors and like solid shapes that kind of everything is made out of. Um, yeah, when you know, obviously the like the 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 story itself was kind of very like family oriented. Where does the where do the ideas for the the kind of art come from? Like, where do you, do you guys just kind of, does it, is it constantly drawn from kind of like the, I obviously like guacamole was a real big kind of sugar skull kind of uh, uh, yeah, very heavy sure. kind of Mexican. Uh, this one kind of seems to look around the same way uh, with a lot of the kind of design aesthetics. Like, where do you guys draw your ideas for the visual look of that stuff from? Yeah, so our artists, I mean, look, I think what happens when you have uh, just a few artists on a team is that artists tend to have their own style, right? And so the Gusto and Steph have this style of... Well, you see it in Guac, sure. So, the, I mean, the content of Guac definitely comes from... Uh, a lot of it's drawn in Mexico and uh, sort of the history there, but these sharp lines and very distinct colors are just... Um, I think they're just, they're just naturally the style the two of them like to do. So I think it's why you see it show itself throughout our games. Um, you know, we don't have this art, we don't have a 50-person art team where you can kind of like, oh, what kind of style do you want to do for this game? Let's choose this. It's more of, I love to draw this type of art, and so that's what you see. Um, for them, I think they draw on, like, I don't want to misspeak for them, but I know there's there's some very comics that use this very distinct, uh, sharp style for lines when it comes to characters, um, and I know they draw a lot in that. Um, yeah. So, but but I think having two artists, that's why you see a lot of common uh, styles throughout the games. Sure. Sure, because you don't have it being, I guess, diluted by every other artist that gets their hands on it, and it yeah, totally. becomes more um, vaporous or or something. Yeah, um, I think it's a good way to put it. What about the uh, another thing about kind of drink box games is, especially with with guacamole, because I. I assume that for most people, that's kind of the biggest point of reference because, like you said, you can play it on your microwave. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like that—that that is a really tightly made game. Um, like everything fits together very well. How do you, when you're making a game, how how do you make those pieces fit together so well so that there's not just like. I don't know, all these gaps, and obviously you don't want bugs and stuff like that, but just such a, a cohesiveness of feel, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, it does. So, I think um, a lot of it's iteration, just a lot, so when I mean iteration, I mean making, well, first off, making a lot of content, and then throwing a lot of it out, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think being honest with ourselves, doing a lot of internal reviews, so you make something, and I think what something we've gotten better at is it's important when you make an idea or you make a level to not put too much time into it, and then immediately have your coworkers come over and play it, and they'll either shit on it or they'll say, "Well, this aspect's good. Let's 
let's keep on working on this aspect or it's just you know what let's just scrap this and try something new and not and not getting too invested into a certain idea or a certain level that you make so make a lot and review constantly review you know don't I think there is this I think there in the past for some people there's been this tendency of you, you sort of call it the grand reveal where you'll work on a level at your desk for five days to for two weeks. You're like, oh, this is amazing. This is going to be so good. When I show it, it's going to blow people's minds. And you, you show it to coworkers two weeks later, and it just falls flat, right? Um, and I think we've gotten better at not doing that. So it's make something, spend the morning making something. Get your coworker over. Just They slide their, their chair over. They try it out. Oh, yeah, this is good. This is, this is positive. This is going the right direction. Or just, mm, I don't know, man. Uh, and then you can switch gears real quick. So I think having a healthy development style, design style like that within the studio um, helps lead to tighter design because you don't waste a lot of time on on crap and you sort of find the real good nuggets and they, that just naturally seems to start fitting together really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, yeah, absolutely. I, I think some of that, it sounds like, is just developing trust with your coworkers to trust that they're going to be honest when they're looking at your stuff and that you would then be honest when you're looking at, at theirs to not either sugarcoat it or be overly cruel with it either, but to, to just, I guess, be real. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you kind of learn the art of making a shit sandwich, right? Where it's, it's like, Oh, you say something nice. And then you say, the, you say the shit, you see, you can say the mean <laughs> part in the middle, but then you end it off as saying something nice. That's a good lesson right. for life, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Relationships <laughs> always make a shit sandwich, you know? <laughs> Just you make sure to heat it up a little before you serve. It's, yeah, in the microwave <laughs> that you can play like, walk on. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And if you want to add some cheese there as well, you know, make it a little more palatable, that's that's fine. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly to- what, what the analogy of the cheese is, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I have no idea. I just I generally put cheese on everything, so I figured why not. Nice. Um. Absolutely. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna have to eat it, a, a couple extra compliments could hurt. Yeah, compliments go a long way. Um. So I I guess for me, kind of looking at um. Uh, looking at severed, and you know, you've already mentioned that. Uh, yeah, especially with the art style, that's you know that's that's one of the things that makes a drink drink box game a drink box game. Uh, just because you've got kind of well defined artists and it's not being diluted by other people, um, and obviously you're uh, a group of people that have worked together for a while and and trust each other and kind of are willing to critique each other. But what is there anything? else that's kind of like that makes a drink box game a drink box game like you look at guacamelee <laughs> or um mutant blobs attack or severed and it's like this is the the thread that that makes these games uniquely us wow that's a good question um so i would say up until severed we we had a we had a real cookie streak that ran through our game so the sense of humor i think was really solid um Within our games, uh, Sever is a lot more serious, so there's not so much of that. Uh, I think for us, it's what we want to do is just provide a tight experience within you know a six to eight hour tight experience. 
I think for us that's that's a core thread we'd like to run through our games. Um, we understand if we attempt to do a 12-hour game or a 14-hour game, we just don't have the person power to make that happen, or the person power to make that happen and ensure that it's a, it's an engaging 12-14 hour experience. Mm-hmm. I, I think for us, it's it's knowing that we can make a really great core experience that's tight, you know, six to eight hours, and that's what we're going to focus on. Because um, we want to deliver that to our audience, right? You get a drink box game, we want you to, we want people to know they're going to get a solid experience. Um, and no, no fluff. Uh, yeah, I would say maybe that's kind of the long-winded answer to that. Okay. What's What's kind of the difference between a a six to eight hour than a 14, 16 hour experience. I, I would think that uh, like a lot of gamers that, you know, you play a game, you really like it, you go, man, this is great. I wish it was twice as long. What's, I, I don't know, in terms of like work on a game, like is, yeah. is, it, is it twice as much? Like what, is it more than twice as much because it's exponentially bigger or what? I, I don't know. How, do, how would you define <laughs> Yeah, that? so I mean... I, okay, like obviously there's exceptions to this to that rule, right? Like if you make a game that's procedurally generated, so that sort of doesn't quite fall within that that category of game. But if it's a game where there's levels and you play through them, right? Uh, such as Guacamole, I would say uh, a lot of time goes into just figuring out what's fun. So that you're going to spend no matter what. As far as content goes, I wouldn't say it's exponential, but I would say it, you don't save time either uh, like the more you make and in fact sometimes the more content you make maybe you can even become exponential because you then have to ensure you have enough fresh ideas to make it to make it go so you know you make five levels and it takes you eight months so if you want to make ten levels it's going to take you another year um, to add on to it and so it's pretty proportional I'd say um, but then the more t- the more levels you add, you have to ensure that the inherent game me- the game mechanic that you have can be entertaining that much longer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you kind of run this risk of the game just gets boring because um, the sure. core mechanic gets boring. You can't expand on it for another five levels. Uh, and so I think sometimes in that regard, you need huge teams so you have enough resources to draw on to ensure it stays uh, solid. Um, so yeah, for us, we're always very aware of what we can do within a certain time frame. And plus, the longer, it's riskier. Uh, you spend four years making a game and it doesn't work out, you're in a lot of trouble. Um, sure. You spend a year making a game and it doesn't work out, okay, you can kind of rally from that. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, so I mean, there's, those are all, uh, there's so many factors that are involved when figuring out how much content to actually make a game or how many hours you want to shoot for as a target. Cool. Yeah. How, how do you figure that out ahead of time? Uh, huh. <laughs> like, when you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's tough. I mean, you kind of guess, and then from there, it's about trial and error. You know, sometimes you won't really know how long a level takes until you try it. Uh, so, often for our games we'll make a vertical slice. Uh, and so what I mean by a vertical slice is it's as if we, we make a chunk of the game in the... We make a, 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 a small demo of a game as if it's 
is if you played it from the middle. So if you'd kind of progress to the middle of the game, we then take that chunk out. Um, and so we do that as a vertical slice, and that's more to demonstrate to us and to, let's say, publishers or Sony or Microsoft what the game looks like. Uh, and I think from that experience, we kind of see how long it took us to make a small chunk of the game, and then we can extrapolate. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I could keep asking questions, but I, I know that you have to go soon, and Brian is writing exclamation points at me that we need to get on to the last section of the game, okay. uh, or, of the, the interview. So, Brian, yeah. take it away. All right. So we like to end with a little bit of a questionnaire. Uh, to kind of finish things off, uh, more focused on you than on the game or, or the studio or anything. Uh, so feel free to uh, to answer answer truthfully, um, and uh, and you know don't. Or, get too or you can lie. Actually, can I lie? I probably if you yeah. lie quicker, I mean we won't know. Just tell it's, us. It's true. Truth. Yeah. Uh, but starting off, question number one: Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Protag. Remind me what a protagonist is again. Protagonist. That's, 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 that's your, your guy, hero, right? your antihero, your good guy, whoever the the the, the players in charge of. Oh my god, my favorite protagonist. Holy jeez, that's gonna be a good one. Okay, you know what? I think my favorite protagonist was. Uh, it's probably because it was for such a long time ago. Uh, I was really into Chuck Yeager, so I played Chuck Yeager's Air Combat a lot on my PC. Uh, and I always thought he was a fictional person. Sorry, this is a real person, I guess. <laughs> but that's fine. That uh, counts. That counts. But I didn't. But I didn't know Chuck Yeager was a real person when I was playing the games. I thought he was a fictional person in the in this in this air combat sim. And it was only years later I found out he was a real pilot, and it blew my mind. <laughs> so, anyways, Chuck Yeager actually is one of my favorite game protagonists. <laughs> I, I I would totally buy that. I would also uh, I would also buy if you thought that like Dick Marchenko. Of uh, right. <laughs> warrior fame was also a just a complete forgery of a person. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that works. Uh, oh next question: Flipping the coin. Um, who's your favorite antagonist? Who's your favorite uh, bad guy slash girl? Uh, yeah, my favorite. Okay, this one. I'm really going non-traditional. I apologize. Uh, so oh, that's excellent. I love it. The, the Chuck Yeager answer is fantastic. So in Privateer, so again, it's a PC game for Privateer. Three, I believe. Um, <laughs> what's his name? They started doing a vid- uh, real life video in the game, and the and the, the antagonist was uh, who's the guy who does more cowbell on SNL? Christopher Walken. Uh, Christopher-, Christopher Walken. Yeah, so they had Christopher Walken in. Uh, so that was when they started doing. They started bringing back video cutscenes for. With real life videos for cutscenes and video games. Uh, so it was Privateer Three, and he was the antagonist. He was sort of this evil, uh, evil CEO of this mega core that was running the galaxy. Uh, and I remember it hysterical. And it's the acting was so bad, but he was so good in it. That's got to be. Was, that's got to be like 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 a Tim Curry level of like Command and Conquer Three. Oh yeah, it was definitely along that flavor for sure. John, you have to find a video of this and attach it to the... I, yeah, I'm looking for it right now. <laughs> I want, now I want to make sure I'm not too off on that, Christopher. Anyways, yeah, you guys definitely search. It might have been Privateer 2. That's great. That's uh, great. Yeah. Uh, next question. Um, are there any trends in video games today that um, you'd like to see uh, continue to grow? Uh, something that you think uh, is cool that's going on that you'd like to see get bigger? Um, trends. Let's see. I am... 
I'm a bit cheesy. I like VR. I like that trend, and I like what it's doing. Um, and I hope, I hope it keeps on going. I hope VR is not a fad. Um, I don't do you have do you have a, a piece of VR tech? I do not have a piece. Of, I will get the Morpheus when I can. Okay. Um, but I've tried the Morpheus a bunch, um, and what I've played's been pretty convincing. Um, yeah, so I would say I hope I hope uh, VR continues because man, there's been some really great stuff. There's definitely some neat stuff out there, and I think it's it's unfortunate that it's such kind of like a hard sell because you really need to kind of use it and get in there in order to see kind of what it's worth. Because from the totally. outside, you're just like this. This just looks really crazy and whack. But actually getting in there, that's that's going to be the. I think that's the biggest challenge that they've got in front of them. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. It, it, VR is not because there's been so much shitty VR in the past that people. Oh man, yo, totally. I remember the ones that used to be in the mall where you know, like you had the real big, like giant headset, and you were shooting, uh, like octagonal guns at like a pterodactyl or whatever it was. Those things were nuts. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, I've I've done some really cool VR, and I'm convinced. I'm ready. I hope that continues. So that's my trend. VR. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Um, flipping the coin for the next question. Um, are there any tropes you'd like to see just go away for good? Oh, for good? That's a bit mean. Or at least, you know, for for now. Yeah. Um, I think I'm okay. Well, actually, you know, it has it has reduced a lot. I'm I'm ready for their. I'm ready for maybe sequelism to take a little break. Uh, so, you know, games that are coming out, the same game, IP is coming out every six months or a year with the game. Um, you know, I don't want to say Assassin's Creed, but... We're, uh, supposedly I'm, we're getting a break from it this year, except for the movie. And I mean, you know... It, well, that's yeah, I think, I, I think they are doing a break. You're right. Uh, but I think I'm okay for that to take a little break for a while. Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, because, I mean, once you start taking a break from IPs, I think they'll try some other things. For example, uh, The Last of Us, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. an amazing game, and I think that's, that's maybe had something to do with taking a break from doing the Uncharted series, and yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, you know, they, you, you learn, and they, they took a lot of the stuff they learned in making The Last of Us to, and kind of added it into... Uh, to Uncharted 4, so I can't, you know, now that they've kind of put that to bed and, and kind of put that behind them, I really can't wait to see what they do next. Yeah, so, totally, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and you're right, I think it's a good point. The fact that they take a break will make, even when they do come back for the sequel, it'll make it even stronger. Uh, next question. Um, you know, you've started uh, doing game stuff since you were young. Um, if you had the option, no restrictions, um, is there any other profession you'd like to try? Yeah, I really want to be a paleontologist. Uh, wow, okay. I like, yeah, I like the outdoors, and I think yeah, dinosaurs yeah, I, are pretty cool, and I like the idea of just digging in the in the ground and brushing away their bones and kind of putting them together. I think that's really neat. <laughs> digging gingerly. So, yeah, exactly. Just taking your time. Like, I'm a bit OCD, so mm-hmm. being very careful with something with a little brush is... Is my jam, you know? Okay, that's awesome. Is there uh, is there is there something you'd love to discover? Uh, you mean dinosaur wise? <laughs> totally. If you could discover any dinosaur, like, would you threaten a child with a raptor claw? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Children are the first to go. 
Um, <laughs> the boat's going down. I'm going ahead of them. Uh, I think it'd be cool to just dig up uh, just a human that is, just, is sort of like a really advanced human that died, and then its bones are there, and then we realize, oh my god, we're actually not the most advanced race. They were here We've the been whole time. Back. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the Planet of the Apes thing. Oh, that'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's that. Okay, that's wild. That's perfect. Uh, <laughs> uh, next question: um, If you had the chance to uh, go back and play any game for the first time, what would it be? Uh, oh, that's that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, man, I was just having this conversation with someone. I forgot what my actual answer was. Um, I am going to say. Oh, I was going to say War- World of Warcraft, but I won't. I'm taking that answer back. I'm going to say Homeworld again. It's well, the original Homeworld for PC. Uh, I remember specifically the last battle of that game in Homeworld. It was so epic, and I remember just crying, just tears going down my face because I was so jacked going into it uh, as a kid. Um, <laughs> maybe as a teenager. Uh, and I, I kind of wish I could replay that. Just hmm. take that memory out of my head and then do it again because I remember it was so epic and I was so emotionally invested in that game. Uh, and the music was just—I think it was this kind of churchy orchestra music—and it was just—it was great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Did you play the uh, the remastered Homeworld that they came out with? Uh, so I haven't played. No, I haven't. I haven't touched it. Uh, I haven't touched any of the remasters since I originally played it. For just... would would you? Will you? I don't know. I'll tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of it just not being as good. And just, like, my my memory of how good it was is maybe something that will never be met again. I don't want to tarnish it. Sure. So I think I'm just going to ignore it. Plus, there's so many new games coming out all the time. I mean, Christ. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are yes. I was just setting up my backlog for this year, and I was like, "Oh God, that's a lot of games." Okay. I I gave up on actually having a backlog a long time ago. I'm trying just, to keep yeah. lists so that it you know so that come come end of the year when we're doing other lists that I could be like, "Oh yeah, there's all those things that I never played." Oh yeah, I make a backlog for the current year, um, for for game of the year time. But I yeah, if it goes past this year, then. Hopefully I'll play it because I'll remember it. Otherwise, I yeah, I just I can't. Yeah, it's tough to keep up. I get I get it for sure. It gets too daunting. Yeah. And then I feel bad about not playing video games, and that's like the worst feeling ever when you feel bad that you're not playing video games. Uh, yeah, I, I, like can, I can say first world problems right there. It's a first world problem. Sure. <laughs> Amazing. All right, final question, Chris. Yeah. Uh, at the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there to greet us with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Uh, I want him to say, you know what? You weren't such an asshole. You can come on in. You can come on in. <laughs> I like the such qualifier. That's <laughs> yeah, the, the, to be clear, the such qualifier is very important. <laughs> <laughs> Not you weren't an asshole. You weren't such an asshole. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yes. All right, I like that a lot. <laughs> um, Chris, that's it. You did it. You got to the end of the questionnaire. Congratulations. Amazing. I wish I had something more to offer you than just 
just uh, appreciation for taking it. Um, but what we can give you is is a trip home. Jonathan, take us away. Well, quick quick factoid before we end things. The game that everyone needs to be looking out for is Privateer 2. It was 2. The Darkening. Uh, Privateer 3 actually never came out. It was cancelled. But what did come out is Severed. So, Chris, if you could take us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about Severed. Correct. Uh, So, find out more about Severed from our YouTube channel. So, it's just Google Drinkbox Studios. You can go to the Severed webpage, which is severedgame.com. Or you can go to the Drinkbox webpage, which is drinkboxstudios.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, which is Drinkbox Studios. Basically, anything Drinkbox Studios, uh, Google and check out, and you'll find Severed. And you can get it on PSN for uh, your Vita. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again for joining us and talking about Severed. Wish you guys the best of luck as you, I guess, start to do new game jams and make new games or, you know, port Severed to your microwave. Yeah. Look thank forward you. soon. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for having me on, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. <laughs>